Here we go. The official show on the Fist Stripes podcast channel is back. I am Eli Sussman, the managing editor of Fist Stripes. As always, these solo shows from me are presented by Symbol, the stock market for sports. We cover all things Miami Marlins. Busy, busy, busy on a Thursday as I'm recording this, entering one of the longest road trips of the Marlins season. Going away for 10 games, 11 total days to three cities. It's a big chunk of the entire season to this point. You know, we feel like we've learned so much about this team already, but it's only been 17 games. And our whole perception and the trajectory that this team is on could change dramatically based on how this road trip goes. We're going to get into that to start with about some of the keys that I'll be watching on this trip, the main storylines that will make or break their success on the trip and could have very long-term ramifications as well. The bulk of this pod is going to be focused on the NL Rookie of the Year race. The Marlins are in firm control of that race. It's very exciting. Only 10% of the way through the season, but they have, in my opinion, the front runner at this point and another very, very strong contender as well to this point in the season. We'll look at what they've done so far, how sustainable that is, for them the rest of this season and uh, whether or not they're going to get their due credit from the actual voters from the baseball writers association of America. And then we'll finish off with the one free agent that the Marlins need to give an opportunity to even now, April 22nd season started three weeks ago that there's a free agent out there that they, they need to sign. They're not the only ones in on him and no Success is guaranteed for anybody, but this is such an easy fit for the team to give themselves a better shot at sustaining this solid start to the season. We begin with these upcoming games. Marlins at this moment, eight wins, nine losses, and now they're going on this long road trip that begins in San Francisco, then goes back to Milwaukee, and then in the division against the NL East Washington Nationals. Three series, and the first of which is at San Fran, four games against a team that they just played this last week in Miami, did fairly well against them. Uh, all in all, the level of competition on this road trip is very manageable. Like you look at all these series, and you don't see a single one that you worry about getting swept on. That this team, even with some recent injuries, should have a decent shot at sticking with it, at at least treading water on this trip, especially because they do have the luxury of one off day before that final series against the Nets. Uh, the top storyline to me is a predictable one. It's that center field situation where we talked about this before on Monday's episode with the inevitability that Starling Marte was going to wind up on the injured list. And that has proven to be the case uh, based on my research. The expectation with Marte is he's going to be out uh, optimistically, three weeks, more realistically, on average, the recovery time from a broken rib, about five weeks. Anywhere from three to five weeks is the expectation as to how long they'll be without him. Obviously, will not be a factor on this road trip, although if I saw this correctly, he is traveling with the team. So that's good news is he's still around the team supporting them, and hopefully when they reevaluate him soon, they get encouraging news. In the meantime, it's this sketchy combination in center field 
of Lewis Brinson, recently recalled from the fish tank, Magnera Sierra, and then potentially John Birdie in some emergency situations. He has played center field before. It will be very fascinating to see how the playing time is split during these upcoming 10 games. And of course, seeing the actual production that they get from these guys, a decent start for Brinson in his first couple games in the lineup, making contact. That's always important for him because when he does put his bat on the ball, the quality of contact is good. In fact, on Wednesday, he had a batted ball at 113 miles per hour. The second hardest batted ball of his entire major league career interesting to see you know how i feel about brinson overall though i'm very very skeptical of him being productive especially if they're trying to use him in an everyday role especially if he's facing a lot of right-handed pitching you should expect to see sierra get at least one or two starts during this road trip when they do face left-handed pitching and uh, the bottom line with brinson is you need to see some power from him that's why he's in the lineup he's not going to be a guy that ever gets on base at a high level needs to occasionally hit it over the wall. Sierra, pretty much the opposite. You've already written off the fact that he does not hit for power. So he just needs to get on base some way, somehow, and be disruptive once he gets there. Birdie, kind of the same thing, where he's off to a slow start offensively this year. But that was the case also in 2020 as well. And by the time that season was over, he was simply one of the most valuable players on the entire team. So some patience with him when he does get into the lineup. Another key issue with these guys that just came out in the post-game media availability with Don Mattingly right before they went on the road is that both Brian Anderson and Garrett Cooper are a little quote-unquote nicked up right now. Nothing that potentially will land them on the injured list. Wouldn't call them an injury, but with Anderson, uh, some soreness on his side. With Cooper, some soreness in his groin for those two guys, both of whom you have to wonder how long those issues have been affecting them because both of them are off to slow starts this season. There's really no doubt about it. With Brian Anderson, the uh, slash line is brutal, batting 183 with a 246 on base, 283 slugging. That's a 529 OPS uh, adjusted for the league average. It's like a 50 weighted runs created plus. The story with Garrett Cooper, uh, bottom line production is not much better, hitting 205, 300 on base, and even less power, just a 318 slugging. One home run that he hit was a wall scraper, you'll remember, and the peripherals with Cooper are more concerning, where he has struck out more than one-third of his plate appearances. Um, A discouraging sign after what we saw in spring training when he was seemingly putting the the bat on the ball all the time. Uh, Anderson is the one that I'm less concerned about. He has, in his history, he's been much more durable, and if you look at the batted ball data for Anderson, he is getting very unlucky. He would have arguably three, four more extra base hits than he does right now. If um, playing under like average circumstances, he's been affected by some very good opposing defense. And he's also been affected by the ballparks that he's been playing in. I think that will even out a little bit over time. And uh, despite his very poor numbers, he doesn't look much different than the guy that we saw last year when he was a clearly above average everyday player with Cooper. It's a bigger question mark because due to the success that these other veterans have had in the corner outfield spots and at first base, he is not an everyday player. Yeah. It will take him a while to like actually regain everyday reps as long as those other ones stay healthy. And in this limited role, he is just simply not produced at all. And he does have a history of 
just constantly picking up these minor injuries. Some of them just poor luck and others you have to wonder about whether it's just somebody playing baseball at that size. He's, he's the largest guy on this team size wise at nearly six foot six and uh, whether just running around as an, as a position player wears on you and uh, it's too much mileage on him at this point of his career, uh, but still some patience with him. I'm sure he'll start at least a few games during this road trip if healthy uh, and the question is, yeah, if healthy and whether or not the Marlins feel compelled to call up another position player in the meantime to allow these guys to get back to 100%. How the Marlins manage that will be critical because we know they've recently, their their depth has taken a big hit with injuries these last few days with both Marte and then Jorge Alfaro, and they cannot afford to lose another veteran position player. Then finally, on this road trip, seeing what they do at the back end of the starting rotation on Thursday for the series opener, we have Daniel Castano going for his second start of the regular season. Uh, His stats are fascinating for his career. His major league career earned run average right now is 2.86, a small sample, but not tiny. I mean, eight games at this point, seven of them starts. And he, more so than any other major league pitcher since the start of last season, he has the lowest strikeout rate. We know how critical strikeouts are towards success these days. The correlation is so strong, and he is completely defying that right now, getting by without strikeouts. I do not believe that it's uh, he's going to be performing at a great level if that continues. It needs to tick up a little bit. And so this first outing will be a big test. I think no matter what happens, you can expect him to make a second start on this road trip as well, which would line up to be during the Brewers series. So that's a, that's a decent level of competition. We'll see if Christian Yelich is back for the series or not, because he's on the injured list for the Brewers. And it's even a bigger question mark at the back end of this rotation, which lines up to pitch for the next time on Sunday. Nick Neidert was optioned to the fish tank. Uh, Not a shocking move because he simply did not look like himself in his first three starts of his career, where if there's one thing you know about Niter, you know that he has great command of his pitches. And yet through three starts, he had issued 11 walks, none of them intentional, 11 legitimate walks in 12 innings. I mean, for any pitcher, that is a red flag. And for Niter, it it makes it impossible for him to be successful if he's doing that. So clearly he needed to get things straightened out. Sending him down made sense in a vacuum. The question is, who is going to fill his shoes? There is not an obvious no-brainer candidate in this organization right now. It could be Braxton Garrett, who we saw in the majors last year, although my expectation was that he needed a little bit more minor league development and that they would not rush him up under any circumstances. They have uh, several non-roster invitees from spring training, like Zach Thompson and Luis Madero. They did not make great impression. Sean Moramondo as well. Those guys, they're stretched out for multiple innings. They did not make a great impression during the Grapefruit League, and they're not on the 40-man. As of recently, by adding Sandy Leon to the 40-man roster, the Marlins filled that up, which, uh, again, you start crossing off the names of possibilities here because the 40-man is full, that uh, I guess one guess is that uh, we know that both Jordan Holloway and Anthony Bender are on the taxi squad for this road trip, and Bender not on the 40-man either, so the timing might not be ready for him either. Sunday looks like it would have to be a bullpen game with Paul Campbell getting a lot of the work in in the bulk guy in the middle, but 
uh, and then aside from him, just a mishmash of relievers, potentially they call up someone like Holloway in that opportunity to do multiple innings, but he's not quite fully stretched out for a starting duty at this time. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. And then once again, that spot comes up again during what will be the national series, the final leg of this road trip, whether they do the same thing with a bullpen game or whether they call somebody up. I mean, just to be clear on this, all the injured sexy starting candidates that you have in mind, Eliezer Hernandez, Sixto Sanchez, Edward Cabrera, they are not close to being ready to pitch in a major league game. I believe um, of those three, potentially Eliezer is the closest, the one that could be throwing a bullpen session in the coming days. This is according to the latest update from GM Kim Ang, that Eliezer might be the closest, but we're still talking about weeks, not days. He's not going to be an option for them uh, on this road trip. And that makes me curious, just process of elimination. There's a, yeah, there's not really an, an obvious fit for the spot, but they'll need somebody. And that will be critical to whether or not this road trip is a success and uh, how much urgency there is to address the rotation. That's going to be coming up again in our final segment. Keep that in mind, addressing the back end of the rotation. But for the main chunk of this podcast, we want to pivot to the rookies, the National League Rookie of the Year race, where the Marlins have Jazz Chisholm Jr., their main second baseman, and they have Trevor Rogers, who is, I guess, by label, the number three starter in this rotation. And he has all the ability to rise even higher than that in their hierarchy based on what he has done in the early portion of 2021. Both of these guys, serious contenders for the National League Rookie of the Year Award, and even more importantly, doing things that you believe in that will translate sustainably year after year, where they have the potential to be cornerstone pieces of this franchise. You'll want to invest in them, just like you can invest in Sim Marlins with our partners at Symbol, the stock market for sports. Symbol allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your team win. It could be short-term flipping. It could be a long-term investment in this Marlins team to finally turn their corner on the rebuild. Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to give you that new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. Use your sports knowledge to earn these cash payouts when the teams win. Join 2,000-plus early adopters who are already using this platform. The current Sim Marlin share price is up to $26.87 for one share, and that keeps going up if this team stays in the playoff race. Create a free account at www.simbull.app, symbol.app, and use our promo code FISHSTRIPES. It gives you a $10 deposit bonus. Visit symbol.app, promo code FISHSTRIPES, all one word for your $10 deposit bonus to help build your portfolio. Invest in what you know, invest in sports. And that brings us back to the National League Rookie of the Year race, the in the front runner of this race, I think it has to be at the moment, Jazz Chisholm Jr. This is Jazz with a high fly ball, deep center field. It's Ciarte turns and looks. It's a three run homer for Jazz Chisholm Jr. An absolute no doubter to center field. He is leading the Marlins in batting average at 326. He is leading the Marlins comfortably in on-base percentage at 439, and he is leading them by a mile in slugging percentage at 630. 
overall nearly twice as good as a league average hitter in terms of weighted runs created plus he's also leading the team at stolen bases and he has not been caught stealing one time this despite not playing quite every single day to this point you remember the one inch awkward situation a couple days ago when they subbed him out of the game in a double switch after only three innings and he responded to that uh, by simply performing the way he's capable of with a multi-hit game he's on fire and I think the early takeaway from this season has been that the evaluators missed on this one, um, where the one question with Jazz coming up to the majors was that he has almost all the tools, but the biggest question was his hit tool and whether or not he'd be able to identify the good pitches to swing at and actually make contact with them. And that is proving to be a incorrect concern. I think any way you slice it by seeing how much he stays within the strike zone and the different types of pitches that he's hitting, and the different parts of the field that he's using, that this is a guy that has a solid hit tool. Maybe not a plus hit tool, but potentially an above-average hit tool. He's not going to... I don't think he'll lead the team in batting average this season uh, or at any point in his career. I'll, I'll pump the brakes on that of him being a 326 hitter. It will come down to earth a little bit, um, but he is legit. He's a legit, well-rounded offensive player a very good defensive player. He had that all together, and he is going to be not just a rookie of the year candidate, but an all-star candidate as this goes on. The news with Trevor Rogers is just as good. He is, at this moment, uh, arguably the top performer in their rotation in terms of ERA, 164, in terms of fielder independent pitching, 2.36, and he leads the team in strikeouts. He leads all left-handed pitchers in the major leagues in strikeouts this season with 31 coming off an outstanding performance against the Orioles. There's a disclaimer there. I do believe that was the worst opposing lineup. The Marlins have faced all year in that second game of the series against the Orioles, even weaker than what the Orioles normally trot out there. But Rogers took care of business going seven scoreless endings, doing it efficiently. And that is so encouraging for Rogers because he had some troubles with that last year. If you'll remember working deep counts, he piled up strikeouts, but it took him a while to get there, and he would go through stretches where he has these quote-unquote stressful innings. That is going to be really the only thing that I would derail potentially his rookie of the year case is how many of these stressful innings wind up, like pile up on him in terms of walking too many guys or simply just not being able to get through innings efficiently and uh, due to an abundance of caution. This is the kind of year where Rodgers – being a rookie, being the youngest current member of this rotation at 23 years old, that the Marlins will handle him carefully. He has never had anything close to a full major league season's workload, and that's more of a concern for a pitcher than it is for a position player. So the Marlins will be looking closely at what he does. Even if there's not like a distinct injury, uh, this is going to be a storyline for the season, uh, understanding when to pump the brakes on your young pitchers to understand what warning signs there are in terms of fatigue and potentially giving them some time off when those concerns arise. For the time being, Rodgers is absolutely cruising in his ability in this game to just pound the zone. What he showed with his changeup and what he has shown with both the changeup and the slider in the early going this season, he can miss bats with both of those pitches. He can command both of those pitches and to go along with someone that already throws a mid-90s fastball and already gets such great extension towards the plate to make that fastball play up even more than you'd expect that 
there is so much confidence from my ends on what Rodgers is going to do this season as long as he stays healthy, as long as he remains uh, all, all the nice signs you're seeing right now, as long as they continue, that he'll be in this race. Um, love to see it. Absolutely love to see it for a guy that was drafted by the old ownership group and that he had to wonder whether this team would really be committed to his success, understanding that he wasn't, quote, one of their guys. And so far, they are. And so far, he's doing well. But, of course, the rookie of the year race in a vacuum, it doesn't operate in a vacuum, right? It's not. It doesn't matter only what Jazz does and what Trevor does and uh, what some other guys in this organization do. I'll get to that in a moment about some other rookie of the year candidates on the Marlins that you're not thinking of. But you have to pay attention to what's going on around the league. So to highlight some of the names that appear to be in NL Rookie of the Year contention from my end, the obvious frontrunner entering the 2021 season was Key Brian Hayes. He's the starting third baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He is a, a baseball legacy. He His father played Major League Baseball for many years, and the reason why you haven't heard his name much so far this season is, one, because the Pirates aren't expected to be any good, even though they're off to a decent start, but also because he's been injured for almost the entire portion of April thus far. He suffered a wrist injury in the second game of the season, and his return is coming up pretty quickly here, according to the team itself. Uh, just probably by the end of this weekend, if not the following week, he should be back on their active roster. And that gives him potentially five out of the six months of the regular season to make his case, which is plenty. There have been, I, I can't even count how many National League, or, well, either league Rookie of the Year winners there have been who've only spent five months healthy or even less than that. It's not only about actually being there every single day throughout the season. There are rare examples. You know, there's the Pete Alonso season where he's on the roster every day and he hits 50 plus home runs and it's, it's, it's pretty easy for him. That that's kind of an exception to the norm. Almost everybody else, they have their ups and their downs. And especially in the case of jazz, you need to be warned that this will be somewhat of a roller coaster with him that there will be times when the league adjusts to what he's doing at the plate and pitches him in areas where they pile up swings and misses and his production slips. I don't think he's, I think any uh, illusions that you have of him as an MVP candidate or as the best hitter on this team that you, you shouldn't hold too tightly onto those because that's simply not quite the player that he is, at least at this early stage of his career. Uh, but those are the variables where you have to be healthy, you have to be in the big leagues, and then you also have to be consistent. Key Brian Hayes is someone that his defense is on an otherworldly level and his bat, based on what we saw in 2020 and in spring of 2021, is potentially special, where he is going to be a force to be reckoned with in this race. Some of the other early leaders in the National League, Dylan Carlson, he seems to have an everyday job with the Cardinals. That's a more competitive situation but he got his feet wet in the majors last year, and now they really have a need for him. Off to a good start, including a grand slam against the Marlins earlier this year to help his case. Not quite the same offensive numbers early on that Jazz has, but certainly a far above average, and he'll have a nice platform to get the attention of the Baseball Writers Association of America, the guys who make these votes, guys and women who vote on these awards. With the rival Braves in the NL East, 
Um, their main candidate at this moment would have to be Ian Anderson. We saw plenty of him down the stretch of 2020. And we also saw him in this most recent series against the Marlins, where he actually didn't do particularly well. As of this recording, though, he's coming off a great outing against the Yankees in New York. He has a signature changeup that is one of the more unusual pitches in all of baseball. He throws it almost as hard as his fastball, but the subtle differences in the movement and his ability to, to camouflage it with the same release point as his fastball make it a lethal pitch. He should be in the rotation. I mean, it's the same questions as someone like Trevor Rogers, where he's at that same age of his career. He's never had a full season workload and they're going to just play it uh, one start at a time to see how he looks. But the expectation is he'll be in the rotation for the vast majority of the year and pile up strikeouts, prevent runs. He is a force to be reckoned with as well. Uh, those, are, those are really the three obvious ones to be worried about. Hayes on the Pirates, Car- Carlson on the Cardinals, and Anderson on the Braves. But to go through the rest of the list, there is also on the Braves, uh, Christian Pache, who made a nice impression on everybody during the postseason last year. He's currently hurt and got off to a very slow start before that. So it depends how quickly he comes back from that injury and solidifies an everyday job Um, on the Cincinnati Reds, Jonathan India, who had strong prospect pedigree, put himself on the map this spring training, got off to a hot start right out of the gate in the regular season, but is now in a pretty big slump, especially in the power department. We'll see if that stabilizes Jose De Leon also with the Reds, piling up a ton of strikeouts early in the season. Uh, Big question is whether or not he has enough control of his stuff to make it stick around. Uh, Some other pitchers to throw out there of the Cubs, Adbert Alzale on the Padres. Ryan Weathers has made a couple starts to fill in in their back end of their rotation. Um, On the position player side, utility guys on the Dodgers, Zach McKinstry has been a fun story to follow. Very little prospect pedigree to speak of whatsoever, but he has stepped in as their super utility guy, and so far he's hitting pretty well. I would expect him to fade a lot, that he's simply not going to hit at an elite level, but uh, he'll do enough, and he'll get enough playing time uh, based on how the Dodgers juggle their players that he'll I'm sure he'll, he'll appear on some ballots by the time the year is over. He is a pretty safe pick to remain sort of relevant in this race. On the Padres, they invested a lot in Ha Song Kim out of Korea, giving him a four-year contract. His early playing time in the majors has been very mediocre. Um, Doesn't have quite as much versatility as McKinstry, just an infielder to expect from Kim. Um, It's the same situation where over the course of the season, he should get a lot of playing time, and his track record in Korea was outstanding. The question is whether voters really want to give the award to someone that's a bit older for a rookie in Kim and someone who has plenty of high-level professional baseball experience in the Korean baseball organization. There's sometimes a bias towards those guys actually winning these awards. Um, Some other names that on a different angle, there are the guys that have not played yet in the majors this year. Remember, we're just 10% basically into the major league season. It's really no big shot to your rookie of the year potential if you haven't played in the majors yet. One of the top prospects in all baseball is Mackenzie Gore on the Padres. Once he comes up, he's expected to stick in their rotation indefinitely. Um, uh, It's still going to be at least several weeks, though, until he comes up. That could be working against him. And uh, we'll see how his his teammate Ryan Weathers does with the rotation spot for the time being. There may be no big rush for Gore, but he certainly has that ability. His results in the minors have been eye-popping. Then we go back to the Marlins. 
where I mentioned Jazz, I mentioned Trevor, but those are really the field. The possibilities are a lot broader than that. Starting with JJ Blade, I mean, we saw him in spring training. How polished he looked, and how his his scouting report really backs that up. No imminent opportunity for him in the majors. They've gotten solid production out of their corner outfielders. They desperately want to get him some actual regular season minor league experience on top of what he had during the summer of 2019. Um, we'll have to find out whether or not that starts at double-A or in triple-A. I would suspect in double-A with Pensacola. Um, but just to keep your eye on someone like Corey Dickerson, who to this point this season is not slugging whatsoever, which really limits his impact on the team. And just generally, even if he does perform, even if Adam Duvall does perform, even if uh, Garrett Cooper actually turns things around and performs, that all these guys are in their 30s, they're all getting more expensive, and that uh, regardless of where the Marlins are, and especially if they do fall out of contention, that those guys will be ones to consider as trade candidates to open up a spot for somebody like Blade. Now, if they wait too long into the year, if they're waiting all the way until the actual July 30th deadline, then by that point, if Blade is still not called up, then you can pretty much throw his candidacy out the window. Uh, but it's more interesting if he begins to tear it up immediately once his minor league season gets underway in May. Uh, that And if an opportunity presents itself in the majors, if Starling Marte, let's mention him, if he, for whatever reason, there are setbacks in his injury recovery that leaves her outfield short that Blake could be up even sooner than that. It's all up to him because the organization has a lot invested in him. And if they are determined to compete, he is someone that can help them right away. And we got almost what half an hour into this episode without mentioning Sixto Sanchez. As he continues to progress pretty slowly. Um, the wording from Kim Ang on her most recent presser was uh, deflating saying that he's coming along very gradually. Um, that indicates I think as of this recording, it'd be a shock if he's up before the middle of May that we're talking with him several weeks away from even getting close to stretched out for major league starting duty. But his talent is undeniable. He was setting some records immediately once he reached the big leagues last year in terms of both the quality of his stuff and his ability to throw strikes. He doesn't need to pitch 180 innings to be a candidate. If It's all about run prevention from him, that he has the makings of someone who is a premium run preventer, that he's going to be successful for whatever number of innings he does pitch, and he is so captivating when he does that that works in his favor. That gives him an advantage over others with more plain skill sets. Do not rule him out yet. I would think that as of this moment, I would expect Trevor Rogers to have a better case than Sixto does, but there's no holding him back once he is healthy in terms of his spot at the major league level. They will find room for him in the rotation, pitching every fifth day, that he could still put together a extraordinary case as long as there are no setbacks in his recovery. Now, we, tying into that, we finish off with the state of the Marlins back into the rotation, knowing that Sixto is still a little while away and that the current solutions, if you even want to call them that, for the back ends are very shaky. This is a team that wants to be relevant at least for half a season, if not more than that. If they want people to watch the games, attend the games, if they want me to hype them up, then you need to keep winning games, and that is not going to continue unless they get a solid production from the back end of their rotation outside of those three cornerstones as it appears right now with Alcantara and with Lopez and with Rogers that 
is if they are even decent in those final two spots, then this team can go a long way. But right now that's very much a question where the fifth spot is totally vacant. And then the fourth spot being held down by the very lovable Daniel Castano, but someone that has red flags on the way that they pitch, which brings us to what's happening on Friday in Miami, a free agent showcase with old friends, Anibal Sanchez. This is going to be a makeup of the showcase that he tried to hold a couple of weeks ago. And after 13 pitches reportedly from John Heyman, he says that Sanchez had a cut on his middle finger and was unable to continue throwing. So he had to take over a week off for that finger to heal. It is all healed at this moment. He's ready to show what he's got, how much he has. It's a, it's a huge question. I mean, you look at what happened in 2020 with him at his age 36 season, and it was a disaster. He was one of the worst qualified pitchers in the big leagues. I don't think he pitched enough innings to be, you know, quote unquote qualified, but you know what I mean, where he was just very hittable and he wasn't missing bats, and he was allowing runs, an ERA over six. However, I think it is important, more so than ever before, to not rely too much on what happened during the most recent season, especially when you have someone like Anibal that has a long, long major league track record, parts of 15 seasons, and the last full season was in 2019 with the Nats when he pitched 166 innings and was by any measure, at least a league average starting pitcher, if not slightly better than that, at the very least, he throws strikes. He does do that. He is not going to beat you by putting on unnecessary base runners. And if with any positive, any extra encouragement based on what he did in the postseason in 2019, legitimately helping the Nationals close in on that World Series title. He's obviously, you know this, he's been a Marlin before for the first seven seasons of his major league career. He threw a no hitter as a rookie. And even after that rookie season, there were a lot of bright spots for him back then. The quality of his stuff, no doubt it has dipped off quite a bit. He's someone that on his best days probably won't go much above 90 miles per hour with the fastball. He doesn't need to, he has a deep pitch mix. And as long as he's throwing all those pitches for strikes, and as long as he is doing it in front of a high-quality defense. I have been touting this Marlins defense since spring training, that it is a big strength of this team, It more so than others. It allows pitchers like Anibal to potentially overperform what you would expect because pitch-to-contact guys, especially on all levels of this defense right now, especially the infields, especially the left side of the infield, that's the biggest strength. But the early returns from Adam Duvall, have been very encouraging in Redfield. It looks like Corey Dickerson is closer to the version of himself that the Marlins thought they were getting instead of the disappointing 2020 version. And the depth that they have at these positions, if they need to call up someone at first base, if it's Lewin Diaz, plus plus defense, if they have to call up Joe Dunand for a Brian Anderson injury, Dunand has made great strides and won a gold glove in the DR. Also on the 40-man roster, Jose Devers. He plays good defense at a variety of infield positions, but especially up the middle. In the outfield, Blade showed what he can do defensively early this year. They called up Brinson, and as much concern as you have about Brinson's bat, he's someone that covers a ton of grounds and has versatility at the all three outfield positions. It goes on and on with Monte Harrison, with uh, with everybody on the 40-man, and also the next wave of, um, of call-ups from lower levels of the organization as well that throughout the course of this season. And that's what you're doing with Anibal is you want him 
as a long-term option as well as a short-term option. I mean, potentially if he's doing the showcase on Friday, he could be in the rotation at some point in May, but you also are anticipating the fact that some of these younger pitchers may need a rest at some point, whether it's Trevor Rogers, whether it's even Pablo Lopez or whether it's Sandy, that these are unprecedented circumstances. These young pitchers, they have so much more to give you in the years to come for this Marlins team that you need to be treating them with caution. And with Anibal, 37 years old at this point, he's at the stage of his career where you throw caution out the window and you just give him an opportunity to prove that he can contribute and do it with a team that he had so many fond memories with. The Marlins will not be the only team at the showcase. Other teams, even within the National League East, are interested, which gives them an even more motivation, I would think, to sign him, to make sure that he does not go to a rival team, that you don't have to worry about facing him and potentially that being the difference between sticking around and not. And, I mean, beyond all of this, you know uh, what he brings from a veteran intangibles standpoint. As someone that never really had premium stuff and certainly doesn't right now, the advice that he can give about how to perform in spite of that, how to do the little things that are successful, that allow you to get deep into your outings and defeat other types of hitters. The advice that he can impart to his new teammates here that potentially can serve them through both 2021 and well beyond that, that could be invaluable. The expectation is that Anibal would command a major league contract. So many starting pitchers did over the offseason. It depends what he does in this showcase. I don't have any inside information about how he's doing. I have... I'm not going to blindly tell you that he will be successful. All I'm saying is that he needs an opportunity and the Marlins more so than anybody else makes so much sense for bringing him aboard, spending some of that sweet, sweet loan depot money, that Valley sports, Florida money. This, this team, if they want to be competitive, they cannot say that they should not be restricted handcuffed by their own low payroll at this moment. That was before they got these, this influx of extra revenue. It's time to start putting that little bit of revenue to work. It won't take much, even if it is a guaranteed major league deal. I think he'd be well worth that investment, assuming that he, even if he looks like his 2020 self, and especially if he shows signs of a rebound and a return to what he did in his most recent full season, Anibal, be, uh, it'd just be a great storyline, and it would just be potentially a very valuable move to make sure that this team keeps the good vibes going, keeps everybody interested throughout the summer. That will do it here for the official show coming up later on Thursday. Check us out on Twitter or Twitch or YouTube. We're doing our Fish Stripes Live live stream previewing the Marlins versus Giants series. Tune into that. Let you know. Let us know what you think about that. We have a very special guest coming up on the podcast next week. I'm already teasing that that you'll want to look forward to. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you get it and uh, leave a review on Apple as well. Five stars, please, to uh, let us know how we're doing and what you enjoy about following along with the Marlins through Fish Stripes. There will be another small pod coming up on Friday morning. Every single weekday, we have a podcast for you to keep you updated on your Marlins news. And the big hub for everything is fishstripes.com. Check us out early and often throughout the day, throughout this season. It's been a fun ride so far. Let's keep it going. I'm Eli Sussman. Go fish. Go fish.